Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The Jews are not going to give up the West Bank. The Palestinians are not going to give up the West Bank. You know that a showdown is coming. You know that sooner or later, there are going to be armies that are going to march on Israel. And that's exactly what the Bible says happens. Today on Practical Christian Living, we begin a powerful and exciting mini-series based on the rebirth of the nation of Israel and how God foretold exactly what would happen in Scripture. We hope this study on prophecy in the last days will stir you up to be ready for the return of Jesus. It is real. It will happen. And current events in the Middle East show us it may be much sooner than we think. While God tells us to be ready, He also wants us to be busy, boldly proclaiming the truth and the hope of the gospel so others will be ready and waiting too. Stay with us. Here's Robert Furrow. You can open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 21. That is where we are going to start. We are taking a break from the book of Hebrews. Last Wednesday night, we talked about Hebrews 6 verses 1 through 4, 1 through 6. We're going to cover the second half of Hebrews chapter 6 next week on a passage that we looked at that I've changed my mind on. And I'm more solid now. I taught it last week. A little bit iffy when I taught it. And then the more I looked into it, I, I settled in on it. And um, so we'll talk about that more next week. But with all that's happening in Israel right now, I wanted us to talk about Israel, the Bible, and the last days. And what God says about the nation of Israel and how he's going to use them. I think that this will be incredibly informative. And hopefully it will stir you up that if you are not redeeming the time, that we would know that the days here are limited. And we've been told that a wicked servant says that Jesus is delaying his coming, that we would be ready for the return of Christ. It's a popular thing to poo-poo the return of Christ today. I love the last song that we sung was Jesus is coming soon. So uh, it, it may be closer than we think. We'll take a look at that. Uh, we'll take a look at that today. All right. So with that said, your Bible's open to the book of Luke. Let's pray and uh, talk Israel. Father, we want to thank you for your word, for the richness of what we find here, for all of the prophecies that are in the Bible that tell us about the future, and that you told us that Israel was going to be a nation again. You told us that they were going to be a cup of trembling for the world. You told us that Jerusalem would be a stumbling block to the entire world, and we're seeing these very things take place in our day. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title of our message today is Israel, the Bible, and the Last Days. We are the first generation since Israel was displaced by the Romans in 70 AD to have Israel as a nation again. They became a, a nation May 14th. That anniversary is two days away, right? May 14th, 1948, in two days, they will have been a nation for 73 years. So if you are over 73 years old, don't raise your hand, but you were alive when Israel became a nation. We are part of the first generation. Jesus could not have come back. And we know that now. We didn't know that before. Church history, early church fathers believed and taught that Jesus could come back at any moment. Some people that criticize the pre-tribulation rapture view, which is what 
we believe, I'm going to include you in, in us even if you don't believe that, right? We're, we're still walking Christ. But it's what we believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. He's going to come back before the rapture of the church and he's going to begin to deal with the nation of Israel again. The Antichrist is going to sign a peace treaty with the nation of Israel and then in the middle of it, he's going to put up a statue in a newly rebuilt temple. If Israel was not a nation, if Israel was not around, you would have to allegorize those things. They would have to be metaphors, which is what they did before Israel became a nation. Now, what does it mean that Israel would be a cup of trembling to the entire world, like the Bible says, or a stumbling block for the entire world? Let's talk about the Middle East for a moment and let's talk about the conflict that's taking place there. I could really go into detail. I want to be, I, I just kind of want to bounce off of this a little bit, give you guys some clarity as to what's happening in the Middle East and then we're going to go read some scriptures and if we have this information that I'm going to share with you, it's going to help you. So first of all, I want to talk about the conflict in the Middle East in a broad sense. We're talking about Yemen, we're talking about Saudi Arabia, we're talking about Iran, we're talking about Israel, we're talking about Syria, we're talking about Afghanistan, we're talking about that entire, and many more, by the way, we're talking about that entire region. There's something taking place. You will remember that for 40 years, the United States was in a cold war with Russia. We didn't declare war on one another, that was always a threat that that might happen, right? But we were in a cold war. And what that means is, is that we fought proxy wars, that all throughout the world, there were governments that were established that were communist countries and Russia backed them, the USSR, let's go there, because it was the USSR and not Russia, all right? So the USSR backed the communist governments and we would back the rebels that went in to fight them. This is all over the world, okay? South America, Asia, all over the world, there were these battles that were being fought for those 40 years. When it was a government that was not a communist government, the communists backed the rebels that were communists that would go into areas. And so that's what the Cold War was. It was Russia and the United States fighting and backing proxy wars all around the United States to either battle or stand for communism, okay? Now, we declare that's done, right? But it's really not done. There's a smaller Cold War taking place in the Middle East, and that is Iran backed by Russia, which is Shuni Muslims, and Saudi Arabia, who has an alliance. And let's just say that Iran has an alliance with Russia. Let's use the same terminology. Iran has an alliance with Russia. They are Shiite Muslims. And Saudi Arabia, that has an alliance with the United States, that are Sunni Muslims. And they are in proxy wars all around the Middle East. Just like the United States and Russia in the Cold War were all around the world, they are in conflicts. That's what Syria is about today. It is Saudi Arabia backing one side and Iran backing the other side. It's the reason there are conflicts in Yemen. It's the reason that there are conflicts in Afghanistan today with the United States pulling out of it with ISIS being almost gone. Those two factions are vying for control in Iraq and also in Afghanistan. They're vying for control in Afghanistan. So that's the overall picture. And Iran is funding many of these Islam Muslim organizations. But remember, Saudi Arabia is Muslim too, all right? So they're funding these different things and equipping them. Now let's zoom in on Israel, which is part of the Middle East. That's like an overall picture. 
And so you know that that kind of a struggle and battle is going on in Israel as well. So this Palestinian-Israel conflict is not that old. It started in the early 1900s, in the beginning of the 20th century. And there were Arabs that began to move into Israel. There are many Arabs that lived there for a long time, and more Arabs began to move in. The number of Arabs began to increase. Those Arabs took the name Palestinians because they were living in Palestine. They were not a unique, distinct group of Arabs called Palestinians. They are Arabs who live in Israel. Israel had the name Palestine from the Romans, and so they called themselves Palestinians. By the way, the first Israeli army had Palestinian patches on their uniforms as well. So um, Israel, at the same time, Jews began through the Zionist movement in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, began to move into Israel in numbers as well. They began to purchase land from Palestinians mostly and move into the country. So the numbers for the first 40 years of the 20th century just crept up of Palestinians and Jews in Israel. And it was all under British control. Britain controlled the whole thing. Well, at a certain point, the British Empire gave it to the UN and after World War II and the Holocaust, the UN wanted to make a state for Israel. Anybody would be moved by compassion for what the Jews went through during the Holocaust and they wanted to have a state in Israel. But at the same time, they wanted to have a Palestinian state. They didn't want to displace the Palestinians. They didn't want to displace the Jews. And so they carved up the land. And if you ever have an extra few minutes, look up how they carved up the land in, in the agreement to have an Israeli state and a Palestinian state. The Golan Heights, the West Bank, uh, the Gaza Strip, and certain other portions were given to the Palestinians. That included Samaria. If you know your Old Testament history, you remember that Samaria, when Israel was divided, Judah, Jerusalem, was the headquarters of the southern kingdom of Judah, and Israel, Samaria, was the headquarters for Samaria, Judah and Samaria were both in the West Bank and the Palestinian area. And so, like the Bible says, they would be born again in a day. On March 14, 1948, Israel declared themselves a nation, and the Arabs did not. The Palestinians declined. And immediately, the surrounding countries attacked Israel. Once they were now their own, and the, the British were no longer in control, and we were backing Israel at the time. We had taken a lot of our equipment from World War II and brought it over into Israel. They declared themselves a nation and miraculously they won. And the lines were frozen. The UN came in and brought in what they called the green line and the line was frozen that gave the Palestinians the West Bank, which included the east side of Jerusalem, Jerusalem was to be an international city under the UN plan for a nation for Palestinians and a nation for Israel. So the West Bank was Palestinian. The Golan Heights were Palestinian. The, um, the Gaza Strip was Palestinian. The rest of it, Israel had taken control of. And that's, that's in 1948. Go forward about 20 years and you get to 1967 and another war breaks out. I don't have time to talk about what the beginning of that war was, but another war breaks out. You can research that on your own. But another war breaks out and Israel miraculously again, and it really was miraculously, they win everything. They thought they were going to be wiped out. 
They took the Golan Heights. They took the West Bank. They took the Gaza Strip. They took a portion of Egypt. Remember, Egypt was part of the coalition that came against them in 67. They took it all. They won miraculously. They entered into a peace treaty with Egypt and gave them their land back. They handed back to Jordan, who controlled the Temple Mount. The old city of Jerusalem was in the west side of Jerusalem under Palestinian control, Jordanian control, before the 67 war. They gave back the Temple Mount to the Jordanians. And to this day, it is co-governed by Jordan, Pal the Palestinians, and Israel. And that's part of the conflict that we see there today, right? This conflict kind of started, and we'll get into that in a moment, of how this started. So immediately, there began to be talks about peace treaties and giving back land and giving back the West Bank to the Palestinians. And people have tried, right? Throughout the years, Clinton tried, a few other people tried to bring peace into the Middle East, and they didn't do it. While that's been taking place, Israel is doing what's best for Israel. Now, although we believe that God is going to bring back Israel, the people, the nation is what we're talking about, and that God has given them this land, we believe that. We believe that from what the scriptures say. They are right now non-believers. They don't believe in Jesus. And not everything they're doing is not right. And just because you believe that God has given Israel to the people of Israel, to Jews in Israel, doesn't mean you agree with all of their policies. On the contrary, I mean, if you're a Republican, you don't agree with all the Republican policies. If you're a Democrat, you don't agree with all the Democrat policies, unless you're that guy, which you don't want to be, all right? The guy that's not thinking, I'm a, you know, whatever it is. So the same is true with Israel. We agree with a lot of what they do and some of what they do we don't agree with. Well, they began to place settlements in the West Bank. And this is by design. They knew what they were doing. They began to put families, homes, in Palestinian neighborhoods in West Jerusalem that had no Jews living in it in the 67 war. In 2017, there were 200,000 Jews that lived in West Jerusalem. These are in Palestinian neighborhoods. They have to be protected by the Israeli government, I mean, by the Israeli army. And there are 400,000, this is 2017, so there's more than that today. There were 400,000 people that lived in settlements in the West Bank. And if you look at a map of where Palestinian cities are and where settlements are, and the settlements usually are fenced off and are usually controlled by Israeli police because it's a dangerous place to be, but they're not dangerous because of all the protections, because of the walls that are around them, the fences that are around them, because of the police presence that's there or the army presence that's there. They're not dangerous places. They're really peaceful places in the West Bank. But they're all throughout there and they're growing. And they are actively trying to get people to come from Europe, from the old USSR, from all around the world, Jews, to come to Israel and place in settlements in the West Bank so that when they finally do go to the peace table, okay, this is my opinion, what, why they're doing it may be different than what I'm saying, but here's what it looks like to me and to the rest of the world that when you go to the peace table, you're like, we got 10 million people living in the West Bank. What do you want us to do? We can't give that up. That's what they're doing, I, in my opinion. And they did the same thing with the Gaza Strip. They put settlements in the Gaza Strip. But a few years ago, Israel gave the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians for self-government. And so they've displaced settlements. So on TV in Israel, 
you had Jews that lost their homes and with all of this emotion left their homes in the Gaza Strip and it struck a chord in Israel and caused them to move into the West Bank settlements all the more. They were like, never again are we going to allow to do that. And they voted in Hamas. And Hamas is backed by Iran. And the army of Hamas in the Gaza Strip is just out to destroy and, and, and like Iran that wants to completely destroy Israel, Hamas wants to completely destroy Israel as well. Just as we said, we don't agree with everything that Israel does. And if we look at what Hamas does, we would not agree with what Hamas does. We certainly don't agree with Israel being completely and totally wiped out. So a few days ago, now I'm going to come in and if you're watching this um, after the fact, this is going to be dated now. But a few days ago, we had the anniversary of the 67 war when Jerusalem was taken over by the Israelis. That's on May 10th of 67. And in two days, we're going to have the anniversary of when Israel became a nation in 1948, May 14th, 1948. Ramadan is also happening at the same time. So you have the celebration by, you have all the celebration going on in Jerusalem. We took Jerusalem, woohoo, from the Palestinians. And the Palestinians are listening and watching this during Ramadan. And so they start attacking Jews on the Temple Mount and the people that are at the West Wall. The, I think it's the IDF force, if I'm saying, if I, I think, the army chases them into the Alaska Mosque. And that causes all kinds of problems, right? So that's a few days ago. On top of all of that, a news, food, a news footage, footage, a news footage comes out a news footage, com footage, I can't say it, comes out that shows a Palestinian and a Jew, and some believe it was staged. Israel says it wasn't true, that it was fake. But it shows a, a, a Palestinian woman claiming that a Jewish man is stealing her home. And that he says he's gonna, that, that someone's going to take it, it might as well be me. And now again, whether or not that was staged, whether or not that was real, who knows. This is in Western Jerusalem, where already 200,000 Jews live, where Palestinians used to live in what used to be Palestinian homes. So you understand now the conflict that's there. You understand how Palestinians feel when they see a Jewish family down the road from them and they know that Palestinians have been moved out and they are protected by the, the army of Israel. And in the West Bank, the same kind of feelings are taking place. This is all simmering and going on all of the time in Israel. And over the last few days, Hamas shot more rockets out of Gaza, the Gaza Strip into Jerusalem, into different cities, Ashkelon, into different cities that are all around Israel. If you guys get a chance, look, you know, May, I think it's May 10th, look May 10th, the Iron Dome, and just look at pictures of the Iron Dome taking the missiles out. It's like you're looking at the end of the world. It feels that way when you're looking at it. And realizing what's happening there, the Jews are not going to give up the West Bank. The Palestinians are not going to give up the West Bank. You know that a showdown is coming. You know that sooner or later, there are going to be armies that are going to march on Israel. And that's exactly what the Bible says happens. It says that the area of Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Turkmenistan and all the stands, it says that Iran, it gives the names of the countries, Turkey, that, and these are Muslim countries today, Kush, which is the Sudan today. So these are Muslim countries today, that there is a coalition 
and God puts a hook in the leader's mouth. The leader, his name is Gog, and we believe that to be the leader of Russia, and there's reasons for that. Again, I'm not going to go into all of it because it would take too long, but he brings them down at, towards Israel, and they are destroyed on the hills of Israel. This is Ezekiel 36, 37, 38. They're destroyed on the hills of Israel, the Gog and Magog War, and they can't bury the bodies for seven years. So what happens, I mean, in biblical times, why couldn't they bury the body for seven years? In our days, we would go, it sounds like a nuclear exchange or maybe some other kind of poisonous gas exchange that takes place and they are defeated. The Bible says that God fights for Israel and all of these armies are defeated. So that's where we are with Israel today. That's what we're seeing happening. And I hope it hasn't like scared you guys that we've got this conflict that is coming to an end with, with war, but you should have known that because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that's going to happen. The Bible foretells that it's going to happen. Now, there are people today that believe that, that God is not renewing the nation of Israel and that all of those prophecies, I honestly don't know what they do with all of those prophecies. There are dozens of prophecies that talk about Israel in the last days, the wars, the struggles that they will go through. I don't know what they do with them when they believe in, in replacement theology, that all the promises God made to Israel is to the church and Israel just so happens to be a nation again today. Think about it. They became a nation through Abraham and the 12 sons of Jacob. Then they were removed from being a nation by the, by the Babylonians. Then they became a nation again. Then they were removed by the Romans. And then they became a nation again. And the Bible told us that was going to happen. That God was going to reach out a second time and bring Israel back into the land and bring them in from all around the world. God foretold these things. He knew it. He saw it. On top of that, Israel is going to be saved. They are going to receive Jesus as their Messiah. It happens in the tribulation period when the Antichrist puts up a statue of himself in the newly remade temple. That's where this whole thing's going. In the newly remade temple, he puts up a statue. So with that in mind, let's just read through a few passages. All right? I'm not trying to be thor completely thorough in this. We can do a series on it at some point. I'm really wanting to, where we can dive in more. But this is kind of just an, an overview of what's happening. So I want to start in Luke 21. I want to start in verse 20. Jesus talks about Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. And there are people that say that this has to be the, 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 the war of Rome in 70 AD that destroyed Jerusalem. But the context doesn't let it be that, but the context also says it's that. So when Jesus says Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies, the context is talking about 70 AD and the end of the world. All right, we'll see that as it unfolds. So in verse 20, it says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that desolation is near. That would be both the end of, of the world and now. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. That's why it cannot be only 70 AD. It tells us right there in the text, these are the days of vengeance that all things will be fulfilled. This is the end of the world. And Israel will be displaced again in the end of the world. Even though they win the, the Gog and Magog war, the Antichrist will once again attack them and they will be driven from their land and supernaturally protected by God in the wilderness. This is in the book of Revelation. 
thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.